2: Welcome
4: back to Deconstructive Criticism. My name is Aaron Flam. Last we spoke to Annika heinrich Rothstein. She was heading to the border between Colombia and Venezuela. On the way there, she was held by Colectivos, that is pro-Maduro Militia. In this episode, we talk about what happened to her and what is going on in Venezuela at the moment. Her texts have been published by, among others, the National Review and Wall Street Journal. Her contacts can be found in the description of this episode on www.aronflam.com. If you want to hear more of Annika's reporting, please support her work. And now... Annika, enjoy.
5: Welcome there. back to Deconstructive Criticism, Annika hanrold Rothstein. It's been a few days since we spoke last. You look a bit tired, but lovely.
3: <laughs> yeah, you should never tell a woman she looks tired, especially after being kidnapped by colleague But okay, yeah, No, I am I am a little bit tired.
5: Okay, so last we, last we spoke, I think, was uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and you were heading back to Venezuela yeah, okay. because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the border between Venezuela and Colombia, so please uh, tell me what happened, you flew back to Caracas?
3: I flew back to Caracas and um, the plan was because I couldn't get into Cucuta which is on the Colombian side, the plan was uh, to land in Caracas and then do a 14-hour drive to the Colombian border uh, overnight and this is just for context one of the most dangerous places in the world to be, and especially at night, because it's no man's land, and there are kidnappings and just random murders across this road, but it was the only way to get there, so I had hired two people, a driver and a security guy that was new to me, and they picked me up at the airport, and we went, like, straight away, so uh, I got into to the car, and, and you know, it was, it was all good for a long time, for like a good 12 hours. Um, And then we get into a place called Pachira, which is a state, the state closest to the border. Um, And, of course, the activity there is the most intense. All across the way, there were a lot of checkpoints, a lot of military presence, a lot of uh, police presence, but that's a different thing than these colectivos and, like, the guerrilla that that is paid for by Maduro and and the government, because the guerrilla is... Basically, they before these things happen, they release hundreds of people from prison uh, under the condition that they fight for Maduro. So these are criminals. Sorry, these are criminals who are given weapons and food, and then their job is to intimidate and kill uh, journalists and opposition, etc. So they they had a big, big, big colectivo presence in Táchira state. So once I get there, we see that all the roads were getting closer and closer and closer to the border and all the roads to the border, the normal roads are guarded by military. So my security guy says, what should we do? And of course, I'm like in like mission mode. So I said, there's always an option in Venezuela, which is true. There's always one option. You just got to find that option and throw money at it. So I said, do like either you find me a person with a motorcycle and he brings me on my own to the border and then you'll find me, you know, or we find a different way. And they didn't want to bring me obviously on a motorcycle alone with someone I didn't know who could be a colectivo. So they said, we'll find a way. So we paid off a guy on a motorcycle to take us the back road to the border. So we're traveling up a back road and... Halfway into it, like 10 minutes into it, I realized, okay, like you get a bad vibe because whenever there are not a lot of people around during a crisis, you know it's a bad situation. Um, And I know the colectivos from before. Like I've been held by them before, but only like they've taken like copies of my passport. They've asked me questions, been rude, and then they let you go. But I know the, the look of them. They show up on motorcycles. They have their faces covered. And there are not So first, the first thing that happens is I see one colectivo. And I lock eyes with him outside my window. I'm in the backseat. And I s- just have a second to tell the driver, I say colectivos. And then boom. <laughs> then there are three colectivos in front of us, a n- number of colectivos behind us. We have to stop the car. They drag us out of the car immediately they focus on me and they say periodista periodista meaning journalist and i'm scared because i i'm not supposed to speak english and the security guys are not translating at this point so i'm panicking because on the inside because i don't want to get killed because i don't understand what's going on and that i'm not following orders so i try like i speak a little bit of spanish and i try to speak spanish that didn't help because I was obviously a foreigner, right? Yes. So I hear I hear gringa and I hear periodista, None of these things are good in this context. I'm wearing a bulletproof vest and I have press credentials from Iran around my neck. So they grab at them and I try to show like, oh, so socialista, you know, I'm I have Iranian credentials. They couldn't give a shit uh, at this point. So they rip those off of me and they want to rip the vests off of me. There are two. Two guys who are crazier than the others, they're obviously high on coke. Like, they have coke highs. Um, And they're the more violent, but they're all very, very heavily armed in a way that I haven't seen colectivas been before. They had semi-automatic rifles. Uh, All of them also had what looked like 9 millimeter guns on their hips. These are guns that are very hard to come by. Like, it's not like private gangs would ever own them. Because, A, they couldn't afford it where they couldn't come by it. So these were armed by the government, obviously, right? Um, so they start kicking the drivers in the stomach. The drivers are on the, on the ground. They're kicking the drivers in the stomach. There's yelling going on, but most of the, of the colectivos are now focused on me because he yelled periodista. And when he did that, a lot of other colectivos came to the scene. Um, they want my vest, I have a shirt over my vest and it gets stuck. So it's like it's Velcro, but you can't pull it off that easily without taking the shirt up. And the guy is high on coke, So he's getting frustrated and I'm trying desperately to like make all of this happen while also not saying anything, but he gets frustrated and hits me across the face and hits me on my chest. Uh, There's a horrible, albeit, you know, good picture on my Twitter feed for anyone who wants to see, you can grab it and put it in the feed. If you want of me right after like on the evening after once I was released and you can see that the bruises on, on my face and my torso anyway. So he hits me. I do nothing. And then they tell us to get on the ground on our stomachs. So we get on the ground. Uh, I'm on my, my stomach. I have my hands, uh, over my over my head, uh, on like facing down on the ground, they put guns to the back of our heads and push. Um, and I can hear, you know, I can hear yelling in between them. One of the guys is yelling directly at me: "You're ruining Venezuela. You're infiltrating Venezuela. Venezuela. You have come here to destroy us. What you're doing is illegal. Uh, you have contraband." Uh, while the gun is in the back of all of our heads. The guns are in the back of our heads. I can see, like, in the corner of my eye, all my belongings scattered on the ground. So there, because I came straight from the airport, all my shit is in the car. Or we have two cars. We have a follow car with a lot of fuel because you can't find fuel in Venezuela. Now, like, everything is closed, so you buy illegal fuel and you bring it with you. And then you siphon. It's a whole system for another it's day. kind but- of ironic
5: considering you're in one of the oil-richest r- countries in the world. But, yeah.
3: so many many ironies in this like I can't even deal with it but yeah so I'm so they um they pull everything from the car I have all my shit like clothes computer camera everything you can think of from toothpaste to like underwear everything is there and it's now all over the ground in this town uh called uh San Antonio del Tachio and that's the town where this happened and they're throwing it on the ground there it's like Christmas Eve for them right because they have a very expensive camera, another very ex- expensive like photo camera, phones, uh, $900 in cash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everything, right? What I've done, which I didn't even realize until later, is I've stuck my passport down my panties. So the only thing <laughs> is my passport is at this point in my panties, everything else is on the ground. Uh, they're yelling at me. They're kicking the guys. There's a fight that breaks out between... The two coked up guys and what i think is the leader of the group because the coked up guys want to shoot me and i can hear them say that they want to kill me the the leader is trying to hold off so he's trying to hold off uh, the leader sits down who i think is the leader like crouches down next to me and says tranquillo tranquillo like he's telling me like calm down and
5: why uh, are you upset hmm are you upset?
3: No, it was some, no I'm, I'm, I was just looking. I got some news, some information. I'm fine. Um, so I'm at this point thinking, okay, we're going to be let go. And I'm calming down a little bit. But the, the problem is still that there are, I don't know, 15 people, 10 to 15 people that are all colectivos, and they're disagreeing within the group <laughs> what to do with us. But the leader says, tranquilo, tranquilo. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe they just want to rob us and we'll get out of here. Like, rob us and hurt us and we'll get out of here. I'm pulled up from the ground and I'm I'm thinking it's been 20, 25 minutes. I'm thinking it's going to be okay. Because otherwise they would shoot us while we're on the ground because it's easier. Uh, But then there's, like, yelling. And I look to the side and they have pulled a piece of paper from the follow car. uh, And they found a gun permit. Belonging to one of the drivers. This is bad news because there's no gun in the car. Which means that they think we're hiding a gun. And I hear them saying, where's the gun? Where's the gun? Where's the gun? And boom, like everything changes rapidly. Because there's no more, how do I put it? There are no theatrics this time. Like there's no like you're ruining the country. We're doing this for the revolution, yada, yada, yada. There's none of that. Now they just push us to the ground again, guns to the back of the head and they say nothing. And that's like, and I hear them, I hear the, them like uncock the gun. So you hear that, like click in the back of your head and I'm like, this is it. Like this is, it's over. So, uh, sorry. It's fine. Um, so yeah, so, um, so this goes on for, I don't, I have no idea, like 10 minutes maybe of infighting between the colectivos
2: and, uh, sorry.
3: That's
5: fine. Take your time.
2: Okay. Thanks.
3: And anyway, so I hear the the two coked-up ones debating because they want to shoot. Like, they're ready to shoot us, and they obviously, like, came there to shoot somebody. Like, it's very clear (laughs) that they just want to kill somebody. And it's not, like, it doesn't feel like a political statement. Like, they're just, like, just released from prison. They want to shoot somebody. They want somebody dead. It's... And you can feel like the tension in the city is very difficult to describe, at least at this point for me, just because I just came out of it. But it's it's war. Like it's a fucking war zone. Right. Like you hear gunshots everywhere. But the leader is saying, and I understand enough Spanish to hear him say that we should shoot the guy like the driver, but not the girl and i think this is you know this has to do with the journalist thing and i think that the leader is intelligent enough to know that it will cost them like a lot to shoot me and it's not worth it and i understand enough of that to be like okay 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 and i'm praying i'm praying i'm praying um, that this is going to work out right um, and i hear the the driver's pleading with them and he's telling them that his mother is dead his father is dead and he has nobody, and his sisters have nobody, and he needs to, like, please, 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 I don't have a gun, I didn't bring it, I didn't want to bring it across state lines, I had, like, my family will have no one, I'm the only man in the family, you have to spare me, and then they yell, you have five five seconds, and then you die, and I don't understand, like, what they mean, I thought they were about to, to kill me, but the driver, Jumps to his feet and he says, "Go, go, go!" So they mean you have five minutes to get in, five seconds to get into the car, and they go, uno. And we and I'm like running like a, yeah, um, into the car, and they say "dos," and then they start shooting in the air, and we're in the car at Tres, basically, speeding off, and they're shooting at the car as we speed up. and uh, I've grabbed so they. During this time, they've grabbed, like, the suitcase and thrown a few things in the suitcase, like, a few random items. So he, like, threw the suitcase on top of me in the back. We're speeding away. And we get five minutes maximum down the hill. And then a family, like, a random family stops us and, like, does this, like, stands in the middle of the road and waves us down. And we wave down, uh, roll down the window, and they say there are colectivos in front of you. So now there are Colectivos, another gang down the hill. There are Colectivos behind us. And my driver says, can we hide in your finca, in your, um, in your farm? And they say, okay. So they open their farm and we drive into a shed and hide the car there. And we sit there for two hours. Um, like sit there while there's gunfire <laughs> on both ends. So, and uh um, and yeah.
5: <laughs> and then what? So I'm just
3: gonna say yeah, and then um in the shed are two journalists from the Washington Post and a fixer who's with them. The Washington Post guys have a satellite phone and I say, Can I please call somebody? And then they say yes, but I realize I don't know anybody's number. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, 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 like whose number do I have? And I realize and I there's one number that pops into my head, and I realize it's my grandmother's number, and she's been dead for three years. So I'm like, and then I realize, oh no, my sister has a very similar number by the sign. So I thought, okay, so I call my sister in Gothenburg, it's whatever it is, four in the morning there or, or something, and her husband picks up, and I still haven't cried, I haven't done anything, like I'm very eerily calm. So I just say, like, you need a pen and you need to listen. I have like, 20 seconds to tell you something and I can't be out because I it's a satellite phone so you have to aim it at the satellite but I can't show my fate like you can't walk out of the shed because they'll shoot you so I'm like leaning out of the shed and I give him information to my boss who sent me uh I said like find him on the internet I don't have his number find him on the internet call him and make sure that he calls whoever needs to be called and then put it on everywhere, put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook and whoever will see it, will see it and it will help. Like if I get out of this, it will help. And that's it. And then, uh, two hours, after two hours, the security guy says, we're sitting ducks. We can't sit here. Like we need to get out. We need to make an executive decision. And he did. And he said, let's do a caravan and drive. And it's better. Like there's sort of safety in numbers. So we said, let's try and, and drive all of us. So, um, so we did. So two men went on motorcycles first. I mean, the brave hearts by any measure. And they went first. And then we were three cars,
2: uh,
3: including one of the men from the Finca, who really stepped Like Those people, I don't know who they were. They were strangers to me, and I don't know their name, but they saved my life. They saved, like, a lot of lives that day. So we drive in a caravan, and then we come down the road, and I see people shot. Eight, ten people maybe. Uh, A woman shot through the cheek. An elderly well, 60, 70 years old, shot right through the cheek. She's lying in the back of a car. There's blood everywhere. Like, I'm just... I'm like, go, go, go. <laughs> like, we can't stop. Like, it's a terrible thing because people are dying all around you and you have to go. Like, you can't stop for anybody. You can't help anybody. Despite all of these people having helped you, like, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, but we go and we drive and the entire car is silent. For the 30 minutes it takes us to get from point A to point B where we can be a little bit more, like, at least our car is around. And when there are cars, there's like it's not just like silence and emptiness and colectivos, which is good.
5: And and where so, yeah. and, and where is this where you start meeting other cars?
2: Mm. Are you heading I mean, back to Caracas
5: fine. now, or are you still heading towards the border? No,
2: I mean, we,
3: so the issue is that we don't have fuel. If we had gasoline, we would have gone straight to Caracas. Or tried, but it was because Tachira State is very, 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 very dangerous. I mean, that's a war now. Even, no, I don't know, I haven't seen much of the reporting, but it is, like, rest assured, there's a a civil war breaking out there right now. And we needed to get out because we kept being told by people stopping us, saying they're dragging journalists out of hotel. Collectivas, gangs of collectivas are going into hotels and dragging journalists out. Um, and grabbing them, I mean, kidnapping them, whatever. Like they're, it's it's a sh- it's a shit show. Um, so I wanted to get out of the state, but we couldn't. So we uh, headed for a place called San Cristobal, which is I don't know how long from there. I can't remember. Like we were in a car for a while. So we get to hotel. Once we get to the hotel, I realize it's full of people who have had run-ins with the colectivos that day. And uh, among them are, ironically, I spent so much time at the National Assembly the last time I was here uh, that there are Assemblymen there who are uh, who I know. So. Uh,
5: where in San Cristobal? So yeah. Yeah.
3: So there are people there who I I know, and they they've come from Caracas. So we end up sitting there like all night. So that's where we spent the night, and then the day after. The security guy went hunting for illegal gasoline, found illegal gasoline, and we headed back to, uh, headed back to uh, Caracas.
5: And you're in Caracas now?
3: I'm in Caracas now.
5: And so what's going on there? Are you, uh, are, the, are you about to get thrown out of the country now?
3: The thing is that I don't know. To be honest, Like uh, my tweets went very viral, and people here in the streets know who I am. Like, it's the kind of thing where people stop me like I'm at a cafe now, and someone came up to me and said, are you that Miss Um That's lovely, but it's also dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, because if they know who I am, like everybody. Um, so I'm on the radar, let's say. Um, I mean, it's much calmer here than it is in in Tachira, of course. So that's much better, but... but Yeah, it's, I mean, it's calmer. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. Um, But I just got here and I'm trying to, like, organize. I have no computer. I have no, like, I was given a phone today, so I have a phone now. I have no computer. I have no money. I have no nothing. So I'm trying. (laughs) Like, I just started waking up from sort of the craziness of it all and now trying to get my life on track so that I can keep reporting. That's the goal. Like, I need to keep reporting.
5: So what you need to is get a camera then. And a computer and a phone?
3: Yeah, I have a phone. So, that first step is I got a phone. Someone left me a phone at a hotel yesterday. I mean, this country, that's another story for another podcast, but this country, my like, man, people step up. Like, this is the best place in the entire world.
5: But you say, you say, in this state, what was it called again? Tachira. Tatira. So in this state, there's practically civil war breaking out. Between who?
3: Well, I mean, again...
5: You have gangs of colectivos. You have the army yes. there, I suppose.
3: You have the army. You also have opposition. Armed uh, opposition. There. Yes, some of them. Some of them. I mean, some of them are burning cars and doing like... the. As with anything, when there's violence, everyone will show up like everyone from like the political opposition like the assembly people from yesterday to people who want to burn cars like this is what's going to happen so it all of the elements are there but the issue is that the colectivas are so 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 heavily armed now that they're killing people like they've gone from intimidation and robbery and kidnapping to death squad and it's very important that people know this like Twelve people got shot in the area where I was, just the area where I was in this tiny, tiny, tiny town in like the mountains of like near Colombia. So, you know, it's 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 war down there now. Like that's that's what's going on, and uh, people are disappointed. Like the opposition is a bit frazzled, obviously. Uh, Maduro is definitely not backing down we have had 21 people uh, uh, who left the army, like I don't want to use the word deserted, but it's the only word I can think of, but it's like a very negative connotation to it, but who deserted on on the spot. Like, so you have 20, 21 army guys. No, no, five minutes. I said five minutes.
2: minutes, Okay.
3: I'm I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Okay. okay, I'm soon. Okay. Um, (laughs)
5: <laughs> Annika, so, so what is going to happen there now? Can you tell us anything? Because the situation is quite confused and you have uh, other people from Sweden appearing on television saying that no, there's nothing going on this is just a propaganda war to uh, make people uh, in the outside of Venezuela used to the idea of a military intervention
3: Okay, so I don't know uh, I mean, hearing that now hearing that a week ago I might have been able to say something eloquent now I kind of want to say fuck you and the horse you rode in on, but uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'm sure I could think of something else. Tell that to the gun of, the back of my head or all of the other people who, like my friends and my colleagues here, are being detained for, like, eight of my friends were detained for four hours, like put up against the wall by a death spot. I, like I don't know what to tell people. Like, this is the reality of what it is here. And I come here with no political agenda. Like, I come here as a reporter doing old-school reporting. Like, what do I see in front of me? I tell people. And this is what happened to me and to so, so, so many other people here. And I can tell you that, like, I tried to say it on Twitter because, of course, I tell my story, and this was my experience, and it was a highly traumatic one. But this happens to Venezuelans every day. 21 years of this. Like, the point is that this is not, like, it's not like, oh, one Swedish, you know, like this spoiled gringa who was, like, scared. I'm scared, obviously, but but this happens to Venezuelans every day. And, for example, like I spoke to, because I know the the culture, so I spoke to the people who I was with, every like the Venezuelans, and I said, I need you to, like, if it's necessary to verify the story, can I take a picture, can I do something, like once we got to the hotel, and they said, Well, we'll verify, but you can't show our faces and definitely not our names because the secret police is going to come to us. You're protected. You're more protected because you're now, you know, your name is out there. You're, You're a journalist. People know who you are, but they can kill us on the spot. And they, like, showed me on a map these places in Caracas where they dump bodies. And they said, like, this is where we'll end up if we show our face. Like, we can't speak about this. So... I'm saying that just to sort of explain what they're living under. 21 years of just fear, of being controlled. And even so, like wherever I go now, like people are apologizing to me, which is absurd. Like Venezuelans are saying, I'm so sorry this happened in our country. And I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. Like this is just me. Like I'm here for a limited time, I'm doing reporting. You live this life. And have nothing, like no resources to fight this. So uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. But anyway, so...
5: I think I got a good answer to my question, Annika. And I hope you take care. (laughs) I'm I'm staying tuned in case you need me. I hope you get the equipment you need.
3: Thank you so, so much. And um, so what I want to say is whoever can, like when this video goes out, whoever can, please... Just spread it around like my my resources are now very limited, so I don't have the same ability to like be on the case. So to anyone who sees this, like, please spread the word, uh, not just about what happened to me, but uh, what what's going on in Venezuela now uh, and help fight the, the disinformation and the trolls and the bots that are fighting, you know, they're also heavily armed in different ways, let's say. And there are many interests fighting this war. So I'm asking people to do what they can and do their part to help out. Uh, so that's, like, I want to I wanna have that said, that that matters to me a great deal. And this is not for nothing. You know, I'm out of, I'm out of Tachira now, and, and I'm going to keep reporting and doing what I can to, to keep people informed. And I hope everyone else does their part.
5: So do I have you for another four minutes or?
3: Yes, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I got the, that's why I look like I, I'm looking to the sides because I have people, but it's fine. It's good.
5: So maybe because the political situation now, you, are you getting any information from the outside or are you like completely?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot going on. Like there's a lot to unpack. I'll try to do it in like a 60 second loop. So the opposition is, is very fragile right now. I know there's infighting going on between Guaido and, and the other people in the opposition. Because, uh, and that's, that's an issue in and of itself. Uh, because of his actions during, like he's, like I think I told you on Thursday that he's kind of feeling it right now. Like he's ready to, to stay in his position. And a lot of people are not that comfortable with that people who are on his own side. So there's infighting there and that's a bit worrying because right now you need like a very, very very strong and collective opposition. Uh, There's also a debate within Venezuela because a lot of American politicians are raising their voices and saying, oh, we're ready. Like Pence, I know, uh, made a statement, I think, today or yesterday about like what we're ready, you know, we're ready to help, we're ready to move. This is, of course, a very sensitive topic in South America because is this what they want? Do they want, they don't want foreign intervention. Like that's not their, they want the human aid. They want intervention to get the human aid, but they also want this to be solved. They don't want to become like either a banana Republic or, you know, a state under a a different state or narco state. Like there are all of these things that are move these moving pieces and they want Guaido to solve the problem. Meanwhile, He's having his own battles to fight, you know, with other people. Um, as far as Maduro, he feels emboldened by the last couple of days. And it kind of makes sense because when you have these death squads going around just shooting people in the face, people will simmer down. And this is, the Venezuelans are now people who have such fragile hope. Like they've been through this. You know, in 2014, 2017, they thought it was going to happen. They thought it was going to happen. Then it didn't happen. And, you know, all the Venezuelans are telling me, like, if it doesn't happen now, we don't get a a new shot. Like, it's we can't do this again because it take it cost them so much, literally and figuratively to to have this fight and to go into the streets and to hope and to put their hopes and dreams in in someone. So. If Maduro continues to push with violence, I'm very concerned of what's going to happen.
5: Because one can also understand that people, out of uh, almost a sense of automatic, when all the all, all leadership of the United States government, from left to right, are tweeting about military intervention, Marco Rubio today tweeted out a picture of uh, Muammar Gaddafi, a before and after uh, picture. Yeah, I know.
3: I saw. I saw. Uh, I saw. Uh, First of all, Marco Rubio is not very popular here. <laughs> um, One can understand they, like, that
5: they have a wariness um, about uh, CIA no, crews. No,
3: of course, and and like they said, like someone said to me yesterday, like is a uh, poco loco. Um, <laughs> I understood.
5: That's uno
3: momento in Italian. <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> So. Uh, so they just like, oh, Marco Rubio is is a poco loco. Like they're like, yeah, I mean, they understand that he's trying to win
2: the electorate in Miami.
3: Like he's posturing, and like they could give two fucks about posturing. Like they need actual people who's on the ground. And it's very easy to be honest. It's really easy to stand on the Colombian side and be like, oh, like we're gonna kill a dictator. Like trust me, the Venezuelan side, like <laughs> it's a different story. <laughs> like you're not you're not going to shout as loudly. I mean, at least I don't, and I'm a pretty vocal person, and I, I, you know, I kept myself to myself you know, while I was on the ground. So like, people are very wary of, of that, and it also it doesn't really come into play. What matters is what's going on here. Like, their reality is completely detached to this like, big politics thing when people are trying to make Venezuela a symbol. Like, this is not a symbol. I mean, I guess it is to, in a sense, but it's also like real life happening now. And what's happening this week, I think, will be instrumental in where Venezuela is going long term, because if he managed to squash this now,
5: it's over. But it looks as if after this weekend, a lot of South American nations are also for a military intervention of sort, or at least they're open to the possibility now
3: they're open to the possibility, but they're also aware of the cost, I would say, or Venezuela is aware of the cost and what what it means after the day after. Like, okay, Maduro goes, like, then what? You know, who's in charge? Like this, it's, uh, these are very real questions and these are intelligent people who are asking those questions. Um,
5: But also, because I've been attacked by a few trolls online since publishing the interview with you. Uh, uh, they have said that I have a zio ass. Oh,
3: oh yeah, yes. yeah. No, I get a lot of that as well. I think what um, they're
5: referring to is my tuchus. Um,
3: yeah, I was just gonna say. Well, they, you know, and as as we say, um, as we the Jews say, you know, eat me. Yes. So that's that's <laughs> that's basically that's my answer to that I have. Um, I'm very unfiltered these days, so so I like I the trolls are coming out in droves, obviously, but it's the usual it's the usual Michigan, so like whatever.
5: Yes. Uh, but there are, uh, because uh, what I what I found from arguing with them is uh, they have lots of good arguments against American uh, uh, imperialism, but. Uh, they don't seem to be able to have any good arguments against Chinese or Russian or Hezbollah uh, imperialism. Right.
2: So... No, and this is what
3: what I have to say to people is basically this. When you're standing there alongside me and alongside Venezuelans, I'm happy to have that conversation. Like, come here. Like, I'm here. I'm on the ground, and I'm just a little woman. Like, I'm here fighting the good fight. Where the fuck are you? So, until they're sitting here with me in Caracas or in Táchira or wherever, having that conversation, I don't do, like, theories. Well, that's, I'm, that, I'm
5: quite it. comfortable in a very comfortable part of Stockholm, my dear. And I think I'll be yeah. staying here for the time being.
3: <laughs> okay, well, you're welcome. Like, the coffee's good. Yes. Uh, I'm never bored. So... I'm just saying it's 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 a buyer's market as far as apartments go. So you know, just yes. you know. Have well a as the picture
5: boys say, Annika, you were never being boring. So it's never boring around <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for tuning in again. And uh, just so you know, I'm standby if you need me again.
3: Thank you so 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 much. I'm glad we got to, to catch up and Same. and also thank you to everyone who keeps tweeting at me. Well, not everyone, everyone, but the people who say nice things uh, and are supportive and want to help. Uh, I'll sh- like when we get our heads straight, and I'm sure other people, like Leda Sidona or whoever, will like help me arrange something. Like I appreciate the help. I can't answer everyone, mostly because I'm on like a very interesting sort of Chinese off-brand phone, so I'm I'm trying to keep it to a minimum because my battery keeps dying. So, but I would reply if I could, and I will at some point.
5: Uh, Thank you, then, from our woman in Venezuela. See, it works in English as well. Uh, And take care of your tuchos, Annika.
3: Oh, I I always do. I always do.
5: All right. (laughs) Saludos. Saludos.
4: Thank you for listening to Deconstructive Criticism with today's guests Annika Hanroth-Rotstein. If you want to hear more of Annika's reporting, please go into www.aronflam.com and find the links to support her work. You can also support this podcast at Swish 768943737 PayPal or all the normal ways. Everything can be found in the description beneath this episode on www.aronflam.com My name is Aron Flam. Until next time, have a good unit of time.
0: And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.